Oh, yes. The podcast. Yeah. Hi, podcast. Hi. Hi, podcast. All right, so I want to open up because uh, in JBI this past um, semester, one of the books that we were required when we were going through the book of Romans, uh, Jay had us read. It's a little book. It's out of print, possibly out of print. I saw you can still get it on Amazon. It's only three bucks. And it's called Those Irrepressible Jews. And this is a really cool little read that covers a lot of bases. And I'm going to open up and share the prologue with it because the author, uh, David Egner, he says it better than I can. He says, The ebb and flow of history has been cruel to the nations of the world. Great, civiliza- great civilizations have arisen, flourished, decayed, and disappeared. In fact, only four groups of people are living today who are in existence 4,000 years ago. The Chinese, the Hindus, the Egyptians, and the Jews. The rest have been assimilated into other nations or have completely disappeared. One of the two. By all reckoning, the Jews should have died out long ago. Their survival as a distinct people is a miracle of history and ultimately of God. So consider these facts. They were out of their land for 2,500 years of their 4,000-year existence. They survived six civilizations that crumbled around them. They have an impact upon the world that is all out of proportion to their population. When you look at the Jewish population compared to the rest of the world, it's, it's not even close where they're at. I don't know the exact numbers. I didn't pull up the census data or whatever. I mean, out of the seven-some-odd billion people that are on the earth, they're a minute fraction. However, their impact is significant. Why? They have survived the unbelievable prejudice and determined attempts to exterminate them. You cannot talk to a Babylonian today, a Hittite. You cannot meet a Moabite or Phoenician on the street, but you can converse with a Jew. So what has kept the Jews alive today amid a world of decay? And do they have an end with God? And ultimately we know that because, because we have a Bible that tells us how special these people are. Okay. So I felt that he that he said it that he said it best. I mean, he talks about how these people. You think about the Holocaust, and I don't cover. I'm not covering a whole lot with that because that's not the aspect of of what we're teaching here tonight. Okay. But when you think about the millions of Jews that were killed during that time. And yet you see where they're at today. It's amazing. And the fact that God has his finished work set in his word for them to do in the coming, in the coming, uh, in the coming time. So, I see what's going to happen here. My elbow's going to knock that thing out of here. <laughs> So I'm kind of curious. I'm gonna, you know, I want I want you guys to participate a little bit, considering that we read these Bibles, we're in them a lot. At least we should be, and we've covered Old Testament, New Testament. What can you guys tell me? What do you know about about the Jews? Anybody can throw it out there. Go for it. I know that they're God's chosen people. They are. Yes, sir. They were once completely. A- disintegrated as a nation but then came back 
And to get their land back. To get their land back. That's amazing. What were you going to say? I just said they try to follow the law. Yeah, they do. There's, they are stooped in. Uh, it's a lot. There's parallels with them when, you know, and how we studied uh, Catholicism. There's a lot of parallels with their traditions. And ultimately, you know, when we read through the New Testament, we see the Pharisees were always trying to trip Jesus up by these traditions that ultimately they, they came up with. And it's not even the law. It's things that they added to over, over the time, over time. So Judaism, Jewish people believe in the Torah. I'm on your, work, I'm on your study sheet which is the whole of the laws given to the Israelites at Sinai. They believe that they must follow God's laws, which govern daily life. Later legal books written by rabbis determine the law as it applies to life in each new place and time. So there are three basic groups of Jewish people who have a different understanding of the interpretation of the Torah. And ultimately, since they don't believe in Jesus Christ and they don't believe in him as their Messiah, they are still in the, the Torah, okay, which is the Old Testament as we know it. But we're going to see how it's laid out, out here for them. So, like I said, I'm going unscripted, so even though I have a note sheet, I still want to make sure that I lose my place for the things that I'm going to be doing. So, yes, it is amateur hour up here. Bear with me. Okay. Doesn't really apply. I kind of blew past that. All right. We're going to stick with this because we got three three basic groups of people. So ultimately you have the Jews, but out of our last study that we did, we did how to study the Bible, we have three people types. What are they? Say it louder. Correct. Jews. Gentiles and the church. Very good. All right. However, you got these Jews that are that are different. And they'd have different interpretations and there's different classes, if you will. You have Orthodox, Ultra Orthodox, Conservative, and Reform. Okay? So the Orthodox Jews believe that all the practices in the Torah which is practical to obey must be obeyed without question. So these all the Orthodox Jews. I got a nifty picture of them, even though they're kind of it's kind of hard to see. This is the type of dress that they have, okay. And I don't know where this is at. I don't know if it's in America or if it's somewhere in the Middle East or in it may be in Israel. I don't know, but uh, Orthodox Jews will typically have this type of dress as the males. And if you notice their appearance, it's a lot like the Amish. It's a very similar appearance. They have a lot of similar traditions. They're very purist. Uh, some of the research I was doing uh, when it comes to their um, temple services, that they'll be split services. They won't have men or women in the same service. It would be split. And there's some factions of that now that that's starting to deteriorate. And now they're starting to have those together but then you know it's those are kind of your legalists they're very strong in in the laws and in um 
what's the word I'm looking for? Traditions. And that's where they're stuck at. Um, they will typically try to find wives and husbands for their children um, rather than letting them have a free, you know, free choice. A friend of mine, she is 70, 78 or 79, Jewish, um, very liberal in her views. Her and I don't talk politics a whole lot. We agree to disagree, but we, you know, we, we still have good conversations when I meet up with her for lunch. I've had witnessing opportunities with her, but that's what she told me. And I think a lot of the reason why she ended up despising her faith was that her parents were trying to connect her with these other prominent young men who were getting of age to marry. So they were trying to parade each other around and trying to hook her up. And she wanted nothing to do with it. She wanted nothing to do with her parents. She wanted nothing to do with the Jewish faith. And she bolted. She bolted and she ran hard. And that's ultimately what you see in a lot of legalistic families. And you will even see that in the Baptist side of things. When you see the legalistic side of Baptists that push that stuff, a lot of the times the same thing happens and they get deep into sin and make a lot of choices that they end up regretting later on. But ultimately, if they come to repentance and saving grace in Christ, then they really have an amazing testimony and they're able to use it. I would love to see that for my friend, but uh, she continues to stay in her ways. But I continue talking to her and you, you never know. She may get saved before she passes, but her time is, is limited. So... Conservative Jews, a little bit different, and it's kind of a crummy picture again because it's not the size that I want it to be. Conservative Jews have more integration. They would be more along the lines of what we would be, uh, but their temple services are integrated. Um, there's even some that are starting to have female rabbis, things like that. Um, and this picture here, one of the things I wanted to point out, and I'm hoping this answers some of your questions, maybe you've wondered about Jewish folks. And that being, I don't have an arrow on it, not on that one. Anyway, you see this guy sitting in the background, the dad, if you will, in this post picture. The thing he has on, it's called a talent. And I should have put it on your guys' papers, but I didn't. The talent is also known as a prayer shawl. In the corner fringes of this, of this ritual garment remind the wearer of all the commandments in the Torah. So it's supposed to be symbolic as to why they wear it. But if you see, if you've ever seen any of these, and that's kind of my point I wanted to share with that with you guys, because you see pictures of folks in Israel, or you may end up seeing somebody wearing these, and you're like, what's that? Well, you're in here to learn, right? So now you'll know. And that is called, again, it's a talit. It is spelled T-A-L-L-I-T, and also known as a prayer shawl. The corner fringes on this ritual garment remind the wearer of all the commandments in the Torah. So conservative Jews believe that the ancient laws and practices have to be interpreted for modern life with inclusion of contemporary sources and with more concern with the community practices than with ritual practices. Ultimately, Jews still believe in a faith and works system across the board, regardless if it's reform, which the reformed Jews, we're going to get into them in a minute here, um, 
that's where they're at. They believe that you still need to have a lot of works and faith combined, and um, that's just what they believe. It's part of what they believe. Plus initiative. They're hard work. They're they're hard working. Like I said, they're a very unique people. So some other additional notes that I found while I was looking this up is the conservative Jewish movement walks the line between traditional religious observance and modern liberal thinking. Judaism has traditionally focused more on what its practitioners do than what they believe, and the conservative movement epitomizes this. Adherents are expected to follow Jewish law, but without the fundamentalist beliefs of more traditional movements, such as the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews. One of the defining characteristics of the conservative movement is its willingness to adjust Jewish practices to suit the modern era and contemporary beliefs. Sounds a lot like charismatic Christian Christianism. Is that a word? Christianism? Christianism. I'm on record saying that. While Orthodox Jews separate men and women for services, conservative Jews do not. However, conservative Jews still pray in Hebrew and in most traditional ways. While Orthodox Jews are forbidden to use electrical appliances or cars on the Sabbath, conservative Jews are not. As long as they are using these items in the spirit of the Sabbath, for example, a conservative Jew may drive to synagogue on the Sabbath, but not to other places. Is that not crazy? Is that not crazy? These are the traditions that, that even the, the conservative, which wouldn't be the ultra-Orthodox Jews, have. But it's still, you don't have freedom in that. That's why it's religion, and it's not faith, and it's not freedom in Christ. And that's what I'm saying, is that they're, they're so close with some things, but yet so far off, and they get stuck in this, and they don't get away from it. So your Reformed Jews treat the Torah as an a la carte menu. And this gets even further like we would see in the Charismatics. So they take what they want to observe and leave the rest. They deem the Torah as the writings of men and not of God. These are the liberal, these are the liberals of Judaism. And uh, your note there too, that there are basically there are three basic groups of Jewish people. There's an ever-growing percentage that identify as atheist or agnostic. And this is this is a lot of what you'll find around here. At least it's what I have found here, or else they will believe in other gods. Now, the, the lady that I was telling you about, um, a friend of mine, she's, she's a, and, uh, she worships uh, Buddha. She's a Buddhist. And she's big time into it. And it's, uh, like I said, we have good conversations, but we agree to disagree and we just don't touch them. But I'm, I'm willing to listen to her. And she's willing to listen to me. So we have good, but it's, it's like the same thing. She'd like to see me change, but I'd like to see her change. So it's this secret little tug of war. We go back and forth with each other. But it's like our book, our Bible, has eternal life in it. And Buddhism doesn't. And it's sad because she's stuck in that. And she won't change her mind on it. A lot of people won't. I'm not meaning just to single her out, but a lot of folks won't. So, a um, few months back, I was doing. I have a client of mine. Um, she's Jewish. This is not a same, the same person. Um, 
she was a referral customer and she had shared with me hoping I can get this to be larger it's not going to matter all right so put it in the center anyway she let me basically interview her because I I spoke with her a while back and she gave me some history on her family and then I didn't know it but as we continue to talk you okay I don't know you never mind she continued to talk and she shared a lot of things about her history and about her family's history with regard to how they came here and ultimately something I never knew about the Jews post World War II. So don't fillet me later. I was yes. Who is this? Her name is Sharon. No, it's just, this is a different lady. This is a, my friend the Buddhist. I don't do any computer work for her. This is Sharon Horowitz. Is she a for real she, Jew? Yeah, she's okay. a for real Jew, but she's what um, she associates with what we would call the Reformed Jews or the liberal and ag- agnostic. So, I mean, she's so far left, it's it's crazy. I would sit there, she'd be listening to the news, and she'd be just, oh, Obama's a great president, and this, and I'm sitting there working on our computer, I'm like, oh, barf. But... <laughs> It was, it, like I said, but I got I ended up having I got an opportunity to get this on. She didn't know that I was recording her until like ten minutes okay. deep. So then she knew it, and she was cool with it. Okay. She didn't care. So she so this, she completely knows. Just so you guys know, that's normally not that's frowned upon. It is, but she like I said, she knew it. I asked her later. I was like, hey, would you mind if I use it? She's like, I don't care. She's like, that's fine because she's you know she's yeah. confident in what she says. And it's sad because one, and she doesn't mention it in this, but one of the things that she says, and she doesn't say it on here, is that she goes, well, I'm searching spiritually. I'm searching spiritually. So she's always searching, and, and it's not on here either, but man, I, I preached at her so hard that after we left, I realized how hard I brought it with her. And I thought, I may have turned her off to the gospel. And she even said, so she didn't say what you're turning me off about. She's like, you sound like a preacher. I'm like, well, I don't know, whatever. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And I'm explaining to you who you are as a Jew. And I was like, you're special. I'm like, and you're searching. You're telling me you're searching. I'm telling you, this is it. This is what it says. You can have salvation right here, right now, in this kitchen. Well, that sounds nice and everything. But, you know, I, I believe what I believe. And I'm going to keep searching. And I sat there and it's, uh, all my tires just went flat right there. I'm like, Okay. Okay, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, if somebody has their mind made up, that's what they do. But anyway, we can listen to Sharon here. You gave me the story about the dish on the wall. Oh, yeah. I need to hear that again. Okay. This is from my grandmother, who was the matriarch of the family, my father's mother, who mm. came from Latvia 
escape the program. If you want, you can. And some of the family was in Russia. And she actually came all the way across Europe, had a pillowcase of stuff, and included that and those beautiful candlestick holders, which are, oh my God, unbelievable when they're, they're um, there were certain things that they took. And she brought it, they came to Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, anyway, when we divvied up stuff, you know, when my dad died, because uh, my mother already died, then I got that. It's really, it's really neat. Yeah. So she was a fantastic woman. They started a business in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You can get that back up. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. No, it's just it's just on that shelf there. Okay. And uh, her roommate Pat's in the background. You'll hear her. God, my father would be like 106. Yeah. My grandmother. Well, she died in when I was 19. I remember coming home from college. So when did she come here? Uh, you know the records are kind of. I, I, I'm not sure exactly when they came through Ellis Island. Yeah. Um, you know maybe. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you have any family that was involved in before World War II? I think every Jewish person had people involved, whether yeah. it's extended or immediate. Uh, my my sister's husband's mother actually converted to Lutheranism from Judaism. They were in Munich, mm-hmm. and her husband was part of the. Uh, partisan underground and he was captured a number of times managed to escape he was subsequently uh, captured by the Nazis but my brother-in-law was actually born in France where she managed to escape it didn't do any good if many many thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of Jews converted but Hitler knew you know and so she was able to get out of France did you catch what she said what her face? Oh, oh. <laughs> I know it's, it's kind of quiet. I don't know if you guys caught it in the back. Um, she's talking about her family history, and I asked her if her family was affected by by the war. And she said, "Well, pretty much everybody." But I didn't know this until she said it. But she said that there were hundreds of thousands of Jews that converted to Lutheranism to attempt to avoid from getting put in the death camps. And being being trucked off, so I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but I never knew that until she shared it. I was just like, "Wow, I've never read that in any history book or anywhere online." So I thought that was a really cool uh, little little nugget. So she she was explaining how she got. I asked her how she got the plates and that, and the history behind them, and about her family, and that's ultimately what what's leading into this. She didn't know until uh, she was actually in France with her three-year-old. And she was pregnant with John, my brother-in-law, so he was actually born in France. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a story. She was branded, and they came to Springfield, Ohio. They were sponsored by a family. And then subsequently, um, Cleveland, it's interesting, coming back and forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so, of course, I knew her for years before she passed away. But she was a CPA in Munich. Wow. It wasn't recognized here, yeah. When they were in France, and John was just to the point of being born, my brother-in-law, 
um, she got word that her husband had been recaptured by the Nazis. He was actually a scientist in Munich mm -hmm. and uh, was involved in all sorts of secret things. You know, I mean, it, it, I'm just telling you very detailed. Right. So it's it's quite a history. But um, the, uh, my one uncle on my mother's side uh, did escape. He, he was in France. And uh, that's my uncle Ben, who died when he was about 100. And uh, he, he was quite quite an amazing guy. Was involved in the early union organizing. And um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just, you know, there are all sorts of stories that, that people have, of course. Yeah. Jews and non-Jews, not only yeah. um, you know, um, so they converted, converted the Lutheranism yeah, to avoid to try to, escape, to try to avoid, exactly. right? right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of her family was killed. Mm -hmm. um, but then when she came here, actually, she didn't practice Judaism. She practiced Lutheranism. Because mm -hmm. they were not really, uh, in both Berlin and Munich, I mean, it was a huge Jewish population, but many of them were like cultural Jews, right. which is what I am. Right. And uh, so they were trying to get out, but you know, it was very difficult. Many Jews just waited too long, of course, and then, and then it was too late. Right. Yeah. But she did practice Lutheranism, um, and John was raised in that church, yeah. both in Springfield, Ohio, and uh, Cleveland. But my sister and her husband met when they were at Ohio State, and when he saw my twin sister, he went home to his mother in Springfield, Ohio. Remember, I told you the story. Yeah. Yeah. He, he saw my she sister goes on campus. And off he said, Mom, this is the girl I'm going to marry. And he was so shy. He never dated in high school in Springfield, Ohio. And they ended up in a philosophy class together. And my sister was um, very much in love with this guy that she had met. And she dumped him as soon as she met John on her first day. <laughs> she was very, it was very funny. I mean, it's like a, a marriage made in heaven. And they were together ever since. So they, they wow. both majored in uh, philosophy, you know. What, but, uh, about what time frame was that? What year? Uh, let's see. Night, that would have been 1962 then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And his mother said, what do you mean, John? You've never dated a girl. And you see a girl on campus? <laughs> you know, then you say, you're not married. I know, I know. And then here they ended up in a philosophy class together. I mean, it's kind of a great story. So, you know, we graduated Kent State and Ohio State. And so my father said to my sister, well, Toby, this is my twin sister's name, what are you going to do with a bachelor's degree in philosophy? And John's sitting there. They were engaged at that point. And my sister thought very carefully for a minute, and she said, Father, I'm going to sit in a toadstool and think. And then, I mean, it was very funny, you know, it was a great <laughs> My mother's going, you know, because they, they wanted us to go to law school or yeah. to medical school. Right. And then we subsequently both became librarians, you know. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting, fun uh, stories. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Things end up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's an uh, interesting background. In fact, we, we have said that we should digitize, you know, all this stuff, all the pictures. We always talk about things to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everybody. Well, I'm always fascinated with, especially when I end up meeting Jewish folks. Yeah. Who are older. Yeah. And ask them because there's always. 
an amazing history yeah. there. And me being a Christian and being a Bible believer yeah. and just, you know, uh, the Jew is fascinating yeah. to me. I, and I, how I, they're yeah. all laid out in the Bible and they're so... I mean, the Bible's clear, and they're they're the elect. They're God's people. They're the chosen people that He has picked. So watch your body language. Hear these things, and even though you guys technically you don't you don't practice, you know, you're culturally Jewish. Yeah. But when I hear these things, and I hear these stories, and you took one all the way back to the early 1900s. Sure. You know, it all lines up. Oh yeah. It all lines yeah. up with what the Bible says in the lineage. So it is interesting, <laughs> but I intellectually I don't believe that we're the chosen people. I mean, I find that so absurd. That's where they're at. You know, really? I'm not the old, no, I don't believe in yeah. that. But I respect other people believing in uh-huh. I mean, I have a spiritual uh, interest. In fact, I've been going to Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah services the last few years, so mm-hmm. that's probably part of the aging process. You know? <laughs> 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 there, are no, there are no atheists in foxholes, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She knows. But, um, by the way, I just thought of a great quote for Kit Kats or any kind of sweets. George said, <laughs> <laughs> the only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. Resist it and your heart grows sick with longing. Isn't that a good... So you see, you have to get in and they're the fun side. You have to get in and <laughs> I want to ask you about that, lady. I was just going to stop and you were going to talk about the dish, but you kept going, so I kept going. Our jaw, which is totally study comparative religions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm very, very interested in all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, in the college I did, yeah. and then beyond that, uh, I love the Episcopal Church up here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's fascinating. And they have a community dinner there. I like the dinners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go to church for dinner. And then people like I go, Capitol Hill, friends of ours that are members, right. and we put money right. in. Right. And this helps. I mean, it doesn't totally cover it. But it's not a situation. That's pretty much it. She kind of goes in the conversation. To, that's that's pretty much it for anything spiritual. And they go on a little bit about that church. and But that's that's that is pretty much... She's a... An example of what you're going to pretty much run into here, at least in this area, um, is is more of a liberal uh, Jew. Um, Beachwood, and you, you guys, any of you guys ever been to the Cheesecake Factory? Oh, grew up yeah. to Beachwood for anything? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you ever, yeah, you ever walk around up there and see all the folks? Yeah. Now, supposedly, I couldn't verify this. I, I, I haunted high and low. One of the articles that I was reading on this, supposedly Beachwood has the second most dense population of Jews next to Israel itself. I don't Now, that, that's why I kind of go, what? I kind of was hesitant about that. But, I mean, it's a huge community. But you've also got in New York... I want to say was also the second highest, along with Miami, 
those the but I don't know how spread out they are. I mean, you go to New York, the chances you run into a Jew are real are, are pretty common. But Beechwood has one of the most dense populations there, and they have a mix of the different of of the reform and ultra conservative. I remember doing a delivery up in Beechwood one morning, and like half the neighborhood came out of their houses because I was driving my truck, and it was you know a big Peterbilt with a bunch of you know stuff on it and whatnot, and job that I do so it makes a lot of noise. But I mean, you know, they come out and they're wearing their hats and they're checking you out. You know, but I mean, like the whole block was Jewish. Every house, the people that came out. Um, the Jews faced a lot of, you know, like we talked about, you know, they uh, a lot of, uh, you know, near extermination, a lot of opposition. Uh, take a look at Nehemiah chapter 4 real quick. Nehemiah, we should be pretty familiar with it. Um, he had a burden for Jerusalem, and uh, ultimately he appealed to Artaxerxes, who allowed him to go and uh, ultimately put a spirit back into the people that were there and because Jerusalem was pretty much trashed. But uh, they start the work, and they get things going. And the uh, Bible even says, it, it, uh, we're going to see that here. It says, but it came to pass that when Sambalot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews as he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in, end in a day? They, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. So they're mocking them. All this work that they're putting into it, trying to build it back up. This is the this is history of the Jew. Build up, fall down. Build up, fall down. Obey God, disobey God. It's a wash, rinse, repeat cycle. So they're victims of their own circumstances, but also when they try to get it right, then you have opposition. Hear, O our God, for we are for we are for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. So that was their mindset. And thankfully they were determined and they and they pushed on and you know we continue to read on on what happens with the rest of the with the rest of the book of Nehemiah. But that's ultimately what happens. It's just been a wash rinse repeat cycle with them. And it's just amazing that we have a book that ultimately shows what God's going to do with them in in the end times. It's actually it's it's amazing. The start and finish is there. Um we're five after. Yeah, we can pick it up next week. The only other thing I was going to share for identifying the Jews, since you know I showed you what that you know that prayer shawl that they wear.
the little beanie that you see the guys wear. Anybody know what that's called? Sora, it's it's called a, yeah, it's a yar. The pronunciation is yar yarmulke, yarmulke, or they also call it a kippa, K I P A. And there's also they spell it a couple different ways. So if you're wondering what that is, now you know it's called a kippa. So it's not a beanie. So anyway, we'll pick we'll pick back up we'll pick back up with it next week. Let's go ahead. Anybody want to pray? Close us out. Go ahead. Dearly Father, I just, uh, thank you for the night of morning. Thank you for just the opportunity to just learn these things. Uh, we didn't open up your word a lot, but God, these are things that are important and they apply directly to your word. Um, just about your people and just really about being prepared to give an answer to people. Um, to be prepared to, uh, in any situation with people who believe different things, to just be able to turn these conversations into an opportunity to share the gospel with people. Uh, these things are important, and I just pray that we really take these things to heart and be, um, so that we can be ready when we have those conversations with people. When I pray this week um, for all of us as we're just going about and at school and wherever we go, God, that we'd always be seeking to glorify you and um, just to be obedient to what you're telling us to do. God, just spend time with you in prayer. Just grow closer to you and, more, and deeper fellowship with you and more intimate with you every day. That's what you desire from us, just to know you and be closer to you and to walk with you. So, God, I pray we be faithful to do that this week. And um, just pray, again, that you be glorified and that uh, your will be done in our lives. We love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. Don't forget, BBS.